Yeah, Courtney, that's right. They've now got the votes in the United States Senate to pass the second of two massive spending bills that they are passing today. A new bill just passed by the House could mean big changes for the U.S. retirement system and your wallet. The Senate passed the Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement, also known as the SECURE Act. This is the biggest retirement bill to be approved since the Pension Protection Act of 2006. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I am not Molly Nelson, <laughs> the normal host of the show. I am Rochelle Smith. I think she calls me the producer extraordinaire. And sitting across from me is certified financial planner Lauren Merkel. He's an axe thrower. He's a Raiders fan. I don't know. It's just a lot of stuff. There's just a lot of stuff. So Lauren and I wanted to step into the podcast studio today because there was a big piece of legislation signed into law last week that means some major changes to how Americans save for retirement. Uh, the SECURE Act. Hey, here we go. Fun fact. The SECURE Act is the largest piece of legislation change in retirement rules since the Pension Protection Act of 2006. Yes. In this industry, there's legislative changes that take place all the time. But every once in a while, we get a, a piece of legislation that really has an overarching impact on investors, retirees, pre-retirees. And this is one of those pieces of legislation that people need to people need to pay attention to and they, they need to evaluate their current plans to make sure that they are still going to be as effective as they thought they were going to be based on this new legislation. So Lauren, what is the SECURE Act? The SECURE Act, there's, there's a lot of different things that go into the SECURE Act. And today we're just going to focus on, on four to five of the key components of the act. The, uh, you, you have it in front of you, Rochelle. What, what's the acronym stand for? So it stands for Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement Act. Which is almost laughable because a couple of the key components that we're going to talk about today, you, you will see very quickly that this is not going to help save, people save for retirement. This is not going to uh, help people transition their wealth to their loved ones and their charities in uh, in, an, in a manner that's going to allow the beneficiaries to receive the majority of that money, as opposed to what the current legislation is as of right now. So the change is what they're going to do, and this is one of the biggest pieces of all. Well, well first of all, let me set this up a little bit. There's $27 trillion wow. in pre-tax money. And we have been saving as a country for the last really 40 to 50 years, piling money into these 401k plans, these IRAs on a tax, tax deductible or pre-tax basis. And the deal that we've made with Uncle Sam is Uncle Sam, don't tax this money until we take it out. And so $27 trillion has now never been taxed. Uncle Sam knows that there's $27 trillion that's never been taxed. We are also, as a country, going to embark on one of the, probably the world's largest transition of assets uh, that we have ever seen. Because we have 10,000 people retiring every single day. The vast majority of that $27 trillion of pre-tax money are with these retirees. And over the next 20 years, these 20 to 30 years, these retirees are going to pass on and they're going to pass on when they pass whatever is left of the $27 trillion of pre-tax money. Now, for the last decade or so, we have been designing trusts, conduit trusts, where they can control the payouts if they choose to, but the, the beneficiary or the, the IRA 
the distributions that are required to come out of them every year will pass through the trust. So it's not taxed at the trust level. It is, is taxed at the individual level, ideally allowing the IRA payments, the distributions to be taxed at a much lower level than, than the trust level. Oh, wow. So this change has really taken away the stretch provision of the non-spousal beneficiaries. So what that means is if somebody inherits, so let's say, let's say your kid inherits a million dollars. Now underneath the current legislation, they have to distribute that million dollar IRA over a 10 year period of time and be taxed on each one of those distributions. So at the end of 10 years, that million dollars has to be out and it's going to be taxed at the ordinary income level of that non-spousal beneficiary. And because it's only over a 10 year distribution period, the level of tax that 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 beneficiary is going to pay is going to be higher, most likely than underneath the current law, where they could continue to take the distributions out over the course of their lifetime. So right now, when a beneficiary inherits an IRA, they do, they're mandated to start taking distributions out, but they can stretch those distributions out over the course of their entire life. So it's a a 50-year-old beneficiary, they could potentially stretch it out over the next 30 to 40 years, as opposed to only 10. Oh, Which, wow, that's a big change then. Well, it's a big change because basically Uncle Sam knows that the $27 trillion is pre-tax, and by shorting the distribution period, he knows he, he's going to receive his tax revenue much quicker and probably at a much higher rate. And the other dangerous factor is right now taxes are on sale, meaning that the lowest tax bracket besides zero is 10, and then the highest tax bracket is 37%. Well, the highest tax bracket has been as high as 92% historically, and we have to go all the way back to the 50s to find another tax bracket as low as 10% if we look prior to 2010. So taxes are on sale. They're probably going to go up over the next 10 years or so. In fact, in 2025, based on current legislation, taxes are already going to go up. In the future, let's, let's fast forward to 2025. Okay. So now... Not only do the non-spousal beneficiaries have to take out distributions over a much shorter period of time, 10 years as opposed to a lifetime, but now tax rates, the tax rates are going to be increased. And then if we fast forward to potentially 2030, tax rates could be even higher. So instead of a a 12% bracket, maybe it's an 18% bracket. Maybe it's a 22% bracket. Instead of the current 22% bracket, maybe that's 30, maybe that's 35. So this is how this country's wealth is going to be, be eroded and it, more of our $27 trillion is going to go to Uncle Sam's coffers because of this bill. What does it mean for someone in their 40s and 50s who are at their peak earning years? If they have the stretch IRA, how does that affect their earnings? The, the baby boomer demographic has the majority of that $27 trillion. So okay. that's the aging demographic. They're going to they're gonna use a piece of it for their retirement, and then they're going to pass away, and it's going to transition to these 40 and 50 year olds. So let's say it's the 50 year old who inherits a million dollars underneath the current legislation. They could stretch that million dollar distribution out over their lifetime, potentially the next 40 years. So they, they are mandated to take a smaller distribution. Uh, That 50 year old is in its highest wage earning years, meaning that that 50 year old has never made as much money as what they're making right now. And underneath current legislation, instead of stretching the IRA out over his lifetime, he will be mandated to take it out over a 10-year period. So let's just say $100,000 a year, right? So they're already making $100,000. They add another $100,000 of taxable income 
And that is going to elevate the tax bracket that they're in, meaning that they're going to lose a bigger percentage of that million dollar inheritance as opposed to the old legislation. Oh, okay. That's a huge change it's then. A, it's a it's a huge change, and this is this is this is where a lot of this planning going forward is going to have to it, it, the planning is going to have to address that article of the bill. So it's going to be it's going to be a lot of legacy planning transitions, and it's going to be a lot of tax planning transitions that are all woven together. So what about the RMDH? The RMDH. So this is one of the good things, but this is just a micro win. Because what they're doing is they're pushing the RMD age, the required minimum distribution age, from 70 and a half to 72. So they're giving us another 18 months before we're mandated to start taking distributions out. Um, so that's something. It's good. It's going the right direction. The idea is people are living much longer. So let's not force them to take it out at 70 and a half. Let's give them a, a few extra months to before they have to start taking it out. Here's, here's, the, here's the RMD trap. So we call this the RMD trap. Okay. And this is for just a, a small segment of the population. But for this population, it's going to hurt. So you've, you've kind of casually heard about the SECURE Act. You've kind of casually heard that you don't have to start taking distributions until 72. So we have people who are turning 70 and a half this year. They see the SECURE Act go through. They hear they don't have to take distributions until 72. So they don't don't take their distribution this year. They don't take their distribution next year when they're 71. Well, that 72 extension does not apply to them. Oh. So the rule is, is that if you are 70 and a half by 1231 of 2019, 70 and a half or older, you're underneath the old RMD laws. Okay. So if you're turning, if for those people who turn 70 and a half this year, they might have heard about this 72 extension and they're not going to take a distribution this year or next year. They're going to wait till they're 72. Now, what Uncle Sam's going to do is they're going to come in and, and he's going to come in and, and apply a 50% penalty on the distribution they didn't take this year or next year. So let's say that their RMD was $10,000 this year. Okay. And roughly about $10,000 next year. They didn't take it. So Uncle Sam's going to assess a, a $5,000 penalty for this year, $5,000 penalty for next year. That's $10,000 that they have to pay in penalties, plus they still have to take out the $20,000 from an RMD standpoint. So it's there's going to be people that get caught in that RMD trap because this, this law is complex. There's a lot of moving parts, and there's a lot of exceptions to every piece of this legislation. Are there any tax implications? From the RMDs? They do have to pay taxes on the RMDs. Okay. So that's that's the whole point of, of having the RMDs. Uncle Sam has never been paid on this IRA money. So the, the required minimum distribution is put in place to say, okay, so we made this deal with you a long time ago. You put this money in, you get to deduct it, which means you're not paying tax on it. Or you, you put it in pre-tax through the employer plan, which means you're not paying tax on it. But when you obtain 70 and a half, if you haven't already started taking it out, you will be required to take out a small piece of it. So that was the deal that was made. And the deal was made because when people take money out of these pre-tax accounts, that's when they have to start paying the bill. That's when they have to start paying the tax bill. Okay, Lauren, what about 
allowing for traditional IRA contributions. We had talked a little bit about how people are working much longer. So people are working much longer. They're living much longer. This is a good part of the rule as well. It, and what it does is as long as, you, you st- as long as you still have earned income, you can continue to contribute to your traditional IRA. In the past, you could not contribute to the traditional IRA post 70 and a half. So now, if you're 75 years old, you're still working, you have earned income, you can continue to make contributions to the traditional IRA. So that's that's a good thing. It just gives uh, people another avenue to continue to build retirement wealth if they're not quite done yet at 70 and a half working. Well, there's another win then. It's yeah, not, see, it's, it's not all that bad. It's not all that bad. I mean, there are some really bad provisions. There are some good things. That's just, if you if you evaluate the entire bill, there's much more negative consequence that comes from the bill than the small positive wins. What about small employers? The 401k plan has been, you know, since, since the pensions have, have really gone away, the 401k plan really since the, the mid-70s has been the main vehicle that, that workers have been able to accumulate retirement wealth in. So this part of the bill, uh, the, the idea behind it is it makes 401k plans less expensive for small employers because there is an expense to set up a 401k plan. Now, those expenses over the last, really over the last seven, seven, eight years have come down quite a bit. So there are more small employers that do offer a 401k plan because now they can afford it. As an example, our firm here, Merkle Retirement Planning, we had five people employed at Merkle Retirement Planning last year. And we still had a 401k plan. So we've grown a little bit. Now we got 16, right? But the 401k plan was affordable at the five-person route. So this bill is just intended to, to help make 401k plans more affordable. So more employers, more small employers will offer it to their employees. And, and the way they do that is, is they allow a bunch of small employers to band together to offer the 401k plan to their each each one of their individual employees, but it's basically a shared expense. And then what about creating spousal rollover traps? So the spousal the spousal rollover trap. This is this is going back to the 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 stretch IRA going away. Okay. And going back to the 10 year distribution period. If and now that applies to non-spousal beneficiaries, it does not apply to spousal beneficiaries. Okay, so let's take a married couple. We have Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah, they, there you go, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Smith. They have they have a million dollars. Mr. Smith has a million dollars in his IRA. Mrs. Smith has a million dollars in her IRA. Mr. Smith passes away, and Mrs. Smith is the primary beneficiary, so she gets to receive all of it. She now has $2 million underneath her IRA. Now, traditionally, when we look at uh, life expectancies, the, f- the woman, Mrs. Smith, would live a couple, a couple years past Mr. Smith. So she lives two and a half years longer than Miss, Mr. Smith did. Uh, when she passes away with distributions plus a little bit of growth, she has a little bit over $2 million in her IRA. Now, she, pa- she passes that on to their three kids, which based on the current, based on the new law, they will be mandated to take that out over the 10-year period of time as opposed to being able to stretch it out over, over their lifetimes. So that's the, that's the spousal IRA trap where Mr. Smith leaves his IRA to Mrs. Smith. Now, now that full $2 million only has a 10-year distribution period. Whereas what they could do, Mr. Smith leaves it direct to the kids 
So maybe he leaves 50% of it divided equally amongst the three kids and then leaves Mrs. Smith 50% of it because Mrs. Smith doesn't need the full $2 million. Maybe she only needs the million dollars that she has. So maybe he doesn't leave it to Miss, Mrs. Smith at all. He just leaves it to the, the kids direct um, or, or a piece of it. Or the other strategy that Mrs. Smith can do is she can exercise the disclaiming provision. So what that does, she can disclaim all of it or she can disclaim a piece of it. So let's say of the $2 million, she only needs $1.25 million to maintain her lifestyle for the rest of her life and have confidence that she's not going to run out of money. So there's $750,000 that she can disclaim, passing that on direct to their kids, and now there's three kids receiving, dividing up the seven fifty. dollars that's $250,000 apiece, that each one of those can stretch out over a 10-year 10 10 time frame. And then a couple years later, Mrs. Smith passes away. And then that's when she sends the remaining piece of that money, the 1.25 or whatever is left. And then we got a whole new 10-year time frame for those kids to, to stretch it out over. So as opposed to the full $2 million being stretched out only over 10 years, in this case, we had about seven seven fifty stretched out over 10 years. A couple years later, Mrs. Smith passes away, and then they have a whole new 10-year time frame for the remaining piece. Okay. But I, but ideally, Mrs. Smith will live even longer. So what if Mrs. Smith lives for 12 years? Right. They stretched the 750 out for a 10-year period of time, and then they got a full another 10 years for the for the remaining piece. So there's just there's just a lot of strategy, a new strategy that's going to be developed that has been developed to to combat the new new legislation. It's just whenever something this massive comes into play, it does take a little bit of time a little bit of time for professionals to figure out all the loopholes and all the all the different techniques and strategies that might be applicable to retirees and pre-retirees, but there's a number of them that have already been developed. And the changes go into effect January 1st. January 1st. Uh, for someone that's listening today, what is what what is something that, that they could do? The, the very first thing they should do is evaluate what it is that they want to do from a legacy planning standpoint. And then they need to get the professionals on their team to help them assess is what they're what they're trying to accomplish, is it being adequately accomplished through their current plan? And if it's not, then they need to start making some revisions. If it is, then they have confidence to know that what they have in place is adequate for what they're trying to do. So assess what it is they're really trying to do. Do they have charitable aspirations? Do they just want to leave it to their kids? Do they want to leave it to their siblings? Where do they want what's left over to go? And then assemble their their team of professionals, which should include a retirement planner. It should include an estate planning attorney. And then also a qualified, uh, certified public accountant as well. Now, if you have questions about the SECURE Act and how it'll affect your retirement, you can always go to MerkelPlan.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E Plan.com. We have a section on the homepage of the website where you can view more information about the new legislation, as well as schedule a meeting with someone on our team to go over your retirement plan. Next week, Molly will be back hosting the podcast. Lauren, what will we be talking about? Well, we're going to have a guest uh, planner, Sean Hongkomp. He's one of our retirement planners, and he's going to be on uh, with myself, you, Rochelle, and Molly talking about retiring in 2020 and what that looks like. So we'll be talking about it from a tax standpoint. We'll probably throw in some more Secure Act information, and that's the thing with the Secure Act. It is so new. Right. It was just passed last Thursday. We'll have more updates as we go throughout the course of the year as far as what are the real world implications of this law. 
and what are some of the solutions that you can look to implement uh, to help combat that law as well. So next time we'll talk about retiring in 2020, what it looks like from a, a multitude of different facets. So make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you hear podcasts to tune into that episode. Merkel Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC.